Hi guys, I hope you're ready to fucking go there because you're listening to Let's Fucking Go There, a podcast where we talk about sex, shame, spirituality, and in this week's episode, the reality to motherhood. I am so excited for the guest that we have today. She is somebody who I've really gotten to know over the past few months, and her story and her offerings are just oh amazing so i hope you guys enjoy it as much as i do and hello taylor i'm so excited to have you here with me today um and if you wouldn't mind just give us a little introduction of who you are but i would like for you to try not to use your titles or use the word mother or wife or anything like who you are on a soul level yeah so I found this one like very difficult to Mm -hmm. define because you know thinking of yourself it's just like not you want to I don't know I always like the opinions of others and that's just my own thing um not opinions I guess like what do you think of me like and that's just easier for me to like yeah um but I what I wrote down was that I'm like a messy person and not like messy (laughs) as in like (laughs) I have a mess. I mean, I have a mess around my house because I'm a yeah. mess. Um, messy as in like I'm human and I'm humaning all the time and I'm still learning and I'm I'm not not perfect. And these are just things that I'm accepting of myself. And I just feel so good with that. Like I just feel so good knowing that, like, yes, I even though this is like I'm practicing what I'm preaching, I can still mess up and I can still learn from it. Um, yeah I love that um especially like it feels to me like there's just so much freedom in claiming like I'm a messy human you know because society places these expectations on us or parents do or we place those own expectations on us Mm -hmm. and it's like when we fall short we feel less than and then we create these stories in our head and the reason I always ask this is because we're so programmed that our worth comes from, you know, being a mother or what our job title is. And we are energetic beings, you know, like who are you on a soul level? And just that radical acceptance is so freaking beautiful. So yeah, yeah. thank you. Now the good part. All right. (laughs) Who are you? What do you do? Tell us about like all of it. Yeah. So first I am a mother, a wife and a daughter. Um, I actually, I'm celebrating my four year wedding anniversary tonight. It was yesterday, but we're going out for dinner tonight. So that's really exciting. And I am a holistic, a certified holistic nutritional consultant uh, practicing with, I've practiced with many clients before, but now I've transitioned to specifically work with moms struggling with burnout and exhaustion and low sex drive. And mm-hmm. I am also a sex coach for moms as well. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, before trend, uh, moving towards um, like the wellness community and um, wanting to become a sex coach, I actually was a, uh, in working in the dental inter- industry as a dental assistant for about 11 years. Um, so it afforded me a lot of opportunities um, to experience, but I ended up feeling very unfulfilled. So that's kind of why I moved in the direction I am now. Yeah, I love that. So those of you listening, Taylor and I actually met 
through a sex coaching course that we are in together. Um, and it has, we're in like this pod together. So we meet weekly, you know, we get to watch each other grow, be a part of the transformation process. Um, so that's how I stumbled across you. And I'm so glad I did because I just reached out to you yesterday and I was like, I need help. I'm tired all the time. Mm-hmm. Thankfully my sex drive is still there. Um, but on the nutrition aspect, like I, when my husband's on home, I'll like eat, like I'm a college kid. My husband's like, how do you survive <laughs> like eating like this? And I was like, I don't know. I don't feel great. Um, so I'm excited. I plan on working with you through my own, you know, what I put into my body just to bring some more awareness to it because a lot of it's patterns, you know? Totally. Um, and it's not just, you're not just helping people, you know, substitute unhealthy food for healthy food and stuff. It's like a whole mindset lifestyle change. And also realizing you're worthy of feeling better and you're worthy of investing in yourself. And that feels scary for some of us. Definitely. And I think because we're so ingrained in our minds that it's that we should be doing it one certain way, like social media doesn't help. (laughs) We see a lot of times where it's like, oh, I should be eating this type of calorie deficit in order for myself to lose weight. And it's, it's less, it's more about like weight loss rather than like eating for your body and intuitively. And, and that's what I tell clients all the time. It's, I'm not here for you to help, like to help you with weight loss or, um, you know, reaching that type of goal. Like I, it'll come naturally and your body is meant to be at a certain weight naturally. And as, um, moms and like people who menstruate we our weight just fluctuates so we can't always be like oh no I need to count like how many yeah almonds I eat or all that kind of stuff you know so it's just it's really interesting I agree it's all about the mindset absolutely and one thing I you kept saying in a couple of the sentences was the word should and I just want to shout this out to anybody listening to it should is a shame word whenever we say should we're or we're seeing the advertisement and we're like oh we should do that we should be eating better you know that tells our brains like oh the way we're living is shameful and we should not accept that and da 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 and it can send this deep into like disciplining ourselves into change. And I don't know about you, Taylor, but for me personally, when I hate myself into change, nothing happens. Like I don't change, things don't stick. Um, But when I love myself and give myself grace and celebrate those milestones, you know, um, and not shaming myself for when I fall short, that's when I see the change happen within and like all fucking around me, right? So, so true. Oh my God. And I I think it's also important to accept where we are now. And because I I was taught this by my life coach, Corey Lee, she's always referred back to us as like a map. If you are in like a mall and you're looking at the map, like you have to, in order to get somewhere, you have to know where you are now. Mm. And I think that's just so, that's such a vital piece of information. Like how can you, how do you, how can you get more energy if you don't know like how much energy you have now? You want to get this specific amount of energy and be able to get through your day, but you can't like say in your body and know for sure what, like what you're experiencing now. I think it's just very important to realize that and not get, have so much guilt around it. Like yeah, like just acceptance. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. All right. So I'm a huge believer that everybody's purpose, like soul level purpose, 
their mission stems from some amount of pain or some moment where they were a puddle on the floor. Um, so I want to hear about what, like really, really on a soul level, emotional level pulled you to doing this work. What was like your darker moment? Um, if you don't mind going there with us. Yeah. So the one that, um, I really want to talk about today would be how, like I entered into motherhood and with my firstborn, it was to me, I look back and like, it is still traumatizing for me. Like I'm still moving through those. And I think asking for help has just been such a um, big thing for me. Um, but when I was still working in the dental field and I was uh, 36 weeks pregnant and I still, I still had a little bit to go. So I finished my last day and literally the next day at three in the morning, my water broke and I had, had taken off three weeks for maternity leave. So I was just in that mindset where I was like, oh, I have so much time to do all the things that I need to get done. I can prepare. Like I wasn't mentally ready to have a baby and lo and behold, like we're in the hospital and I have to like be induced. And it was just very traumatizing. And from there, um, my oldest Zachary is such a sweet little boy. Um, he has just put me in for like the ringer and it's just been, like, <laughs> it's been a learning process. And I think that this has really stemmed from where, where I want to help moms, um, just know that they're not doing a bad job and they can really lean into like their feelings and like what they're doing isn't wrong and they can change the way that they're doing things. So that's kind of where my messy and emotional yeah. <laughs> stemmed from and just losing myself in motherhood and losing my, in there. Um, yeah, losing my relationships, especially with my husband, like, and friends, I felt like just fell off the face of the earth. Um, and just because I didn't know how to ask for help and I didn't know how to ask for the things that I needed. I didn't know what my desires were. I was so ashamed of my body postpartum and I felt like I couldn't even like look at myself in the mirror, let alone like have my husband look at me naked. So it was just very difficult. And this, this is where it all stemmed from. And then fast forward to having my second, it was like, Hey, now he was seven months. And I, I was like, I need help. I need some assistance. Like, I just can't do this myself. This isn't normal that I don't want my husband looking at me, like mm -hmm. hiding in the closet, undressing and dressing myself because he was in the bedroom like we're married and that wasn't normal to me. <laughs> yeah. I remember, um, like getting out of the shower and wrapping a towel around me real quick. So I wouldn't even look at myself. Yeah. You know, oh my, I've got chills talking about it. So, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, I'm super spiritual and woo. So like, this is spirit telling me to share <laughs> this. Um, my biggest like humble moment after my son's birth is like, I remember I had two C-sections. So my second C-section section was like really, really physically painful. And my husband wasn't there when they got me out of bed the first time. And I was angry and resentful about that. So I held on to that. Well, I was able to go and take a shower. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and you know, those hospital mesh panties that you have one. And my ass just looked like SpongeBob. And I was like, get out as I can't even hold myself up. I was like, get out of here. Like, I don't need help. I just started crying. I have this beautiful baby laying there. And I felt guilt first off that I was thinking about myself. Um, and like, I was just like completely stole my, the serenity from having this beautiful new baby and like bonding with it 
to this very like dark and heavy perception with my body. Um, like I didn't want anybody taking pictures of me in the mm. hospital with my baby. We had like those newborn photo shoots come in and I was like, I'm not going to be in them. Just take them with Scott. And now I look back, I'm like, damn it. Like I missed that because I was just so embarrassed of how I looked, you know? And like, that's deeply, deeply rooted in me. Um, and it's something I constantly work on. But another thing that I really freaking love about you, and you had talked about you know, asking for help. You didn't really know how to ask for help. Just the way you show up on your social media um, is real. So you're not like leading these expectations that motherhood is perfect and pretty and we are going to have it all together. And then Mm -hmm. once you have that, like that kid or that family and you're like, oh my God, I don't have it all together. Like I'm failing. And there's a lot of people out there that just show that pretty side of things and there's moments of greatness but the reality is it's a fucking shit show (laughs) oh my god such a shit show and I think that what moms want the most well I mean what I want the most is just like somebody to relate to like hey I'm going through this have you experienced this if not like just hear me out I don't want to be like listening to somebody being like oh it's so perfect like I got my postpartum body back in this amount of time like (sighs) I'm I'm not here for that and I've totally scroll past that, ignore, unfollow any types of accounts like that. Cause I just can't, it's not, it doesn't resonate yeah. with me anymore. So. Yeah. So there was this influencer who was pregnant at the same time I was pregnant. So naturally you start following them. My husband was yeah. really into her. So I started following her and like two days after she has this baby, she's like on a jog with her stroller and I'm sitting there like, what? Just milk squirting out of my tits, like bags under my eyes. And I was like, oh my God, I'm failing. I'm disgusting. So it like, I had to go and I had to unfollow accounts like that just for me. Like I was comparing myself and it was stealing the serenity and I was not embracing my mess at that time at all. Um, did you have any guilt? You had talked about like feeling disconnected from your husband. Did you shame yourself or judge yourself for feeling that way? Or be like, I'm not supposed to feel this way. Yes. All the time. And sometimes I even still do like some days I'm just like, I'm so, so tapped out. I just can't do it. Like, can we just, can we just like sit with each other? And, and even that is feeling, um, but yeah, so much guilt and, um, guilt that like my husband was connecting more with our firstborn than I was like, Mm. I didn't feel that instant connection that everybody had talked about. And so I worked really hard to get that for my second. And just now I'm starting to get that with my oldest and it's been so beautiful. And I think that when we look at things and when we look at our life, like it's not the conventional, like we can live an unconventional life and not, you know, give into these norms that it just like reduces the pressure. And yeah, so I definitely have felt that guilt before. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Cause that's another thing, really the only postpartum care in the, you're in Canada, right? Yeah. Well, in the United States, the only postpartum care that we have when we take our child, our baby to the doctor's office for their six week checkup is this form with a scale from one to 10, like eight questions, you know, that is it. Nothing else when you, and then you go for your six week personal follow-up it's like so brushed past and it's like, all right, let's look in your incision. Let's check this. You know, do you want to get on birth control right now? Um, and all this stuff. 
So I think bringing awareness because since it's not talked about, you know, in those settings, you don't feel normal when it hits you. I had postpartum depression with my youngest too. And I was like, so disconnected from myself and like, oh, it was really tough. And I was really shame about it. So, mm, yeah. But also for those of you listening to this, we're sharing our personal experiences. Another thing I hate is like putting fear in new moms. Exactly. And that's a a good (laughs) thing to mention. Definitely. Let's talk about some of the beauty of parenting (laughs) as well. Um, There is some in there. I, I mean, you grow this human and you get to watch them develop and learn new things. And like, I, the part that fascinates me is like, I remember looking at my baby, like, how did I grow you inside mm-hmm. of me? Like, that's crazy. Women are so powerful. Yeah. It's, you know? just, it's amazing. And thinking about back about, you know, we both have two boys and it's just yeah. incredible. Like how did some, some way and somehow like we were chosen for these little boys and it's just I don't know. It's just beautiful. And like watching the friendships of my two, like they, what's your just, age gap? Uh, uh, two years. Okay. Yeah. They're going to so be real just, close. Yeah. So, and yours are a little bit further apart, right? Yeah. Four years apart, yeah. but still like, that's a good, they're just now really starting to play like make believe yeah. and stuff together. Oh, so, so, yeah. So as both of us being mom of boys, have you started talking about consent with your kids yet? Like in forms of tickling, like telling them all like stop touching my body. Yes, definitely. So with, um, our oldest, I'm our youngest is a little too young right now, yeah. but, um, yeah, we definitely, I always ask him like, can I pick you up? Yeah. Um, can we go to the bathroom? Can I like, I still have to help him. Like we just started potty training. So I like literally have to help him like take his pants off and his underwear off and help him sit on the potty. Like he is learning. And, but I always ask him beforehand. And if he says no, like I honor it. Um, it's different if it's like, Hey, you, you know, you clearly have to like go to the bathroom. I have to help you. Um, so we work around like ways that yeah. get him to do that, but it's just, yeah, it's very important. Definitely. Cause I think we talked about this for before where it was, um, another girl in our accountability group was talking about like the unsolicited dick pics and it's <laughs> this, like asking for consent beforehand. Like, do you mind if I send this? And it's just, it's so, so incredibly important. And I, it does start at a young age. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it goes real deep t- for me because I was molested, you know, and I didn't know how to say, no, don't like touch me there. I don't want you to touch me there because I wasn't, wasn't taught that. I think though I knew it was wrong. I had a really hard time verbalizing it. So with my boys, even like I ask if I can tickle them, I tell them, you know, to say, get off my body when it gets too much. I also, even my um, eight-year-old, he knows how to listen to body language because he's a shy kid and he used to not be able to speak up for himself. So he would use body language and now he's able to speak up for himself. But I've taught him, like, if you're playing with a friend and like, they start feeling closed off or they start crossing their arms over their shoulder, that mm-hmm. is just, you know, a signal to give them some space and stuff right. like that. Um, but I think it's just so important that we start to have those conversations with our kids and like, you know, there's no shame around that. Yeah. Even, um, I've noticed a lot, like being emotional, like showing emotions as Mm. um, growing boys into men. And my husband and I work really hard in saying like, 
yes, I see you're angry. It's okay to be angry. How can I help you here? How can I help release this anger, help with this anger? And I think a lot of the times too, it's, it's hard as a mom trying to um, instill these new ways of living with our kids these days, because when I look back, that was not how I was raised. And yeah. even having my kids with my parents, for instance, it's, it isn't that way. I have to completely um, rewire like my thinking and also just say like, Hey, this isn't the way they did it, but I can like tell them how we do it. And sometimes it's not accepted and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I have the power or we have, me and my husband have the power to remove our kids from that type of situation. So it's, it's just, I find it like, it's such a big thing to our big job. Like, it is. Feel like motherhood is just more than, you know, putting your kids to sleep and doing all that kind of stuff. It's so, so in detail, everything. I mean, I think like we're a little, I personally am a little more conscious of it because I feel like I have more grace for my parents now as being an adult, but I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to cause my kids to have to heal X, Y, and Z. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, you know, we're going to fuck our kids up in some way. Like it's inevitable. Yeah, exactly. But we can help them deal with those emotions and stuff. And it's just Uh, being a parent with intention, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, conscious parenting Um, and then like also I get really proud of myself when I see things that I've modeled like my kids doing it I'm like okay because so many times I feel like I'm failing as a mother I think every mom feels that where we feel like we're not doing enough we're not showing up enough um when we show up in one area we fall short in another area and then it's those little moments that I see, you know, and I'm like, okay, like I'm doing a really good job. Yeah. It's like a beautiful mess. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So speaking of motherhood, um, embracing our sexual energy without shame and like fears and stigmas around it, because I feel like there's an extra layer of pressure on those of us who are mothers to fit into this mold the society has crafted for us. Mm-hmm. And to do anything outside of that, I instantly have like stories in my head. Like you've been with me through the beginning of me allowing this part of me to be seen, this sexual, mm-hmm. you know, energetic being, and how much fear I had around like the baseball moms watching my stories and. Yeah you know, my in-laws, what are they going to think about? And then I see my nieces on my Instagram sometime. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) like what the heck? So how do you feel? Like, what are some things that you had to release or some obstacles um, that you navigated to get where you are and to talk about all of this? Yeah. So I was always taught, like when I entered a motherhood or just became a mom that I would like had to cover my body up. Like I couldn't talk about certain things and and that was a lot of like what was shared with me from my family or and and also on what I had read on social media so like we can be a mom or we can be sexual we cannot Mm. be both and I just I've been really digging deep into what that means for me and I still I think it's all the archetypes that we can embody and it's all about like how we're feeling and I relate it to a lot with like where I am in my cycle. Like I can still be, you know, the, um, 
slutty um, dominatrix or something like that, or like the um, caring housewife, I can still be all those things. Mm -hmm. I don't have to pick. And the freedom in that has just been so nice. And asking, like talking to my husband about it too, has been really neat. Um, He's just been so on board with everything that I've yeah. been talking about and just so supportive. Like he's, there's never been a time where he hasn't supported me. And I just, I'm realizing that now, like I've definitely good taken, feeling. yeah, it's such a good feeling. And I've definitely taken that um, to advantage of that before. And I think now it's just, we're definitely on the same page and yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know if I answered the question. You did. <laughs> um, so when, right after I had Mason, my youngest, the whole my whole pregnancy my husband and I did not really have sex okay I feel that um, I feel that so deeply then I have Mason and it's like his perception of me I'm so, like my husband knows that our life is just aired out like I share it just because I know other people have been there and I know how I felt in that moment and he's comfortable with me talking about this stuff So it's like, I completely went from being desirable and like the sexual being, which sex is what made our son. You know, we had the best hotel sex when we made him. (laughs) I knew I was like, oh, you just knocked me up. up. Um, But it's like, he just completely viewed me as a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, and there there was no sexual connection there. And it was one of the hardest parts of our relationship because I just felt like I was not desirable. I wasn't pretty instantly. And the story was, he is just not attracted to me because I gained weight or my boobs aren't fun anymore because they're used for breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Um, like my body is just a house for his kid that just came out of me. I went to all of these stories, um, when he had his own like story going on in his head too. So then we like communicated about him. We're like, oh my gosh, that's what you, where you were at. This is where I was at, but there was zero communication there right. regarding them. It's just how fast we can jump to stories. Just like me creating scenarios of what people think about what I do or what I talk about. Um, yeah. It's not always the reality. And like what people think about me does not matter, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's not as determining factor for who you are and I think a lot of people like to jump to conclusions um when they're afraid to ask questions or they just they just like to assume so it's it's yeah removing um ourselves from those types of situations or just not even giving a shit like that's hard to not give a shit it's so hard it's so it's so hard yeah I definitely (sighs) compare it's hard not to compare to to other moms like I was so bad with that with yeah. like my oldest and he didn't walk until 18 months. And I see all of oh my, my friends, kids walking and I'm like, what is wrong with my kid? And I meet, that's the first thing I say. And it's like, I can't believe I ever said there was something wrong with my kid. Like, yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. I remember being so paranoid with Gavin first time mom, like every baby book, like if he yeah. didn't hit the milestone within a week, like, <laughs> What's going oh my on? gosh, I got to call the doctor. I got to do this. Like what's wrong with um, him. Um, and like, I also was younger. I mean, obviously I think it was 22 when I had Gavin. Um, and I had like 27 days clean when I got pregnant and motherhood was not even on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like going to like, I was like, I got to make a choice. Am I ready for this? But as soon as I heard his heartbeat, I was like, okay, like this baby chose me and I'm choosing to like grow this baby Uh, and like give motherhood a chance. And like, 
I was, I would stand over him while he was sleeping to make Mm -hmm. sure like he was breathing. Um, just, you feel like you're in a bubble once you first have a baby. It's like nothing else matters. Um, especially with my first. Yeah. And it's so, I was just going to add, it's so easy to feel out of control Mm -hmm. with what you, what you have around you. Right. Like, and I think that has a lot to do with hormones and like you're up all night sleep deprivation it's just so so many things piled on to each other and I mean you did a great job like so did you. <laughs> anybody listening to this is doing a great job um yeah. even if like what we're saying doesn't resonate or parts of it does like you there's no journey is the fucking same with mm-hmm. motherhood um so yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm curious to how your own mother displayed like that sexual feminine energy. Yeah, I didn't actually really see much of it. To be honest, I was thinking back and I don't know if I noticed it. It was always like, until I guess maybe thinking back, like it wasn't until like I had started dating and having boyfriends and it was just like, well, what is like my, and my dad would always butt in and like my mom would just have the same opinion of my dad. And so I think it was just, I never really saw that, um, shown in her. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a lot of like, well, if this person can't provide for me or like, what is your intention with my daughter? And like, (laughs) how are you feeding her? And like, are you guys having sex? And it was just all these things that are like, I didn't want to talk about. And, and so like, it ended up being like a lot of my boyfriends didn't fit into my family and I would date in secret. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, and it just brought a lot of like, um, that actually like went through a lot of my life where I was like, I can't, I can have this friend, but I can't have this friend. So I'm going to like meet with this friend behind my other friend's back. Cause they won't like me if I'm, if I'm friends with this person, like that totally was just like how I lived my life. And I, it was stressful. (laughs) Yeah, no, I have, I've been there. Um, now was your mom, like, did she display, did they talk, like, did you ever hear your dad and your mom talk about, you know, what they were doing after kids went to bed? <laughs> I don't think I honestly remember. Like, oh. I, I can't, I do remember though. I hope my parents like never listen to this. One. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember. Cause we used to camp a lot and we had, um, like a trailer and we would just park it at our site like all year long. And um, like my parents let us like, I think I had a, fr- a friend with me and like my brother and his friend and my parents decided to like sleep in a tent, like just outside. And so I remember like going to the outhouse in the middle of the night and I was like hearing sounds. Yes. And I was, like, oh so my I- God. And so I like <laughs> ran to the outhouse and ran back and I was like, telling my brother and my friend like you'll never believe what I just heard <laughs> just oh my gosh so yes <laughs> I uh, completely would hear my parents my mom and my stepdad having sex I found her sex toys my mom like I remember being so embarrassed about it as a kid but now as a adult I'm like good for you and like yeah. my mom and I don't have the best relationship now but I completely like she had a wide variety of sex toys she was like wild and like to the point where she like used her sexuality as a tool in life. Okay. You know, and I always oh. thought there was something wrong with that hmm. as a kid. Like I judged it, you know, I was embarrassed by it. My mom was the hot mom. Um, like everybody desired her. She would get whatever she wanted just by 
doing a little smile and showing a little cleavage. And I had so much embarrassment. All of my boyfriends were like, oh my gosh, your mom's so hot. I'm like, what about me? (laughs) I'm pretty. Um, But now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I can completely like admire that and love that about her. And I should probably tell her that like, if we ever have a conversation again, um, because I did grow up without shame around displaying sexuality, but my sex talk from my mom was like a puberty book being thrown on my bed you know pleasure was not talked about I remember like getting caught grinding on couches or masturbating with a toothbrush and like being real or my mom would be in my room and my like vibrating toothbrush would be in my drawer I'm like oh my god please don't open that (laughs) like just like so embarrassed I didn't like talk to anybody about it until I became an adult um and like I'm already in my head, like, okay, how do I navigate pleasure with my boys? Like it's, it feels awkward for me even. And I'm a sex coach. Like, I don't know. Um, I'm I'll learn as I go and pick up information as I go. I follow a lot of like sex family, positive Instagram pages. Um, but still I have a stigma and it feels uncomfortable for me in my head thinking about my kids having, you know, desires eventually. Yes, exactly. So I definitely like, I'm worried about navigating that area too. But like you said, it's just like, okay, what can I do now? Or like navigating as it goes and like picking up little things here and there. And just like not saying like, it's shameful. I think that's the most important thing. It's like, it's okay to like explore your body. Just like lock your fucking door. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have a religious upbringing at all? No, actually it's funny. Cause I like wanted to go to Mormon church with my friend and my <laughs> parents were like, no, we're not letting you go. And I was like, I didn't understand. And I was like, yeah. I just want to go like my friend's going. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Get it. But I have a lot of clients who like sex and masturbation are like considered very sinful and there's a lot of shame around it. Um, and that's just something that pisses me off. Um, I'm hoping by the time my boys are that age, there's like some better sex education. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel more comfortable communicating that stuff, but for right now, where we're at, it's just like learning consent. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, as boys, like I let them know, like, it's okay for you to touch your body, but you have to do it. Like, you know, go in your bedroom or go in the bathroom type thing. Yeah. My, my oldest though, when he was a little kid and he would like tug, you know, how they, you yes. know what I mean? I would so. be like, don't touch that. Don't. And I'm like, oh, I'm telling him not to touch his own body. If anybody's yeah. allowed to touch your body, it's you. Exactly. You know? Um. Yeah. So like in the bathtub, tugging on and stuff. Yeah. And like, okay, like, there you go. Yeah. You found your pee pee. <laughs> and we're also like programmed to sexualize things when that's something's just yeah. so normal. It's a part of our body. It's like touching your elbow or touching your finger. It's a part of your body that's usually covered up. Um, yeah you know and actually I'm trying to be better too about like I just mentioned like calling the, his penis pee pee and yeah. I, I'm getting trying to get better at that I'm getting I'm better that. too yeah because it's like it's just such an easy like term for penis but I, now yeah. I'm just like hey it's it's your penis and 
he just still says peepee so I'm like okay <laughs> yeah and there's like layers especially in the United States like if anything were to happen to you or my kid um if they were like talking about it in, in like an investigation or something they use those terms it would completely be discarded they have to mm -hmm. use the correct terminology right. so I recently found that out and through like the sex and love academy like just teaching the correct terminology for things mm -hmm. um is really important but it's still I'm so programmed like to call it peep or yes. you know yeah. yeah. And then when I first called it a, a penis, my husband looked at me like, <laughs> same with my husband. He's like, what? I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Use the correct terms. Yeah. Oh, all right. So to kind of fade out of motherhood, anything else you want to add about motherhood, sexuality or whatever it is, this is your zone. So I just want you to take up space here for a moment, share anything that comes to your heart. Well, I think, um, I guess what, what I want to add is like for any mothers struggling out there, like know that you aren't alone. These, some things can be really common. Um, doesn't mean they're normal though. Um, and that just giving ourselves some grace and compassion and knowing that you're still doing a good job and that there's always time to, um, you know, work on what you want to improve in yourself and, mm -hmm. And it doesn't always always have to be like all or nothing. It can be little things at a time. And even just like um, being more sexual with myself or my husband, it wasn't like, okay, we need to like do it every day this week in order for me to feel fulfilled sexually. It was just like, hey, I want to like discover my body more. I'm going to look at my vulva in the mirror and like see what I like. Yeah. And I, and like taking a bath and like getting out immediately and having like candles lit by my mirror and stuff. And just like sitting there naked and just like looking at myself and just accepting every part of me. And it, it's just, if I really want women to know, or mothers, like just know that you can be who you are in motherhood and you can still be a great mom you mm. are still a great mom. Yeah. I love that. So how do you show yourself grace and compassion? You have brought up giving grace and compassion. How do you give Taylor grace and compassion? Yeah, I, um, I give myself space to like feel the feelings that I'm feeling. And I, um, before I actually had my own coaching done and dove deep into like my stories and like my shadows, I, had a lot of rage and I didn't know where to um, channel it. And I channeled it a lot towards my kids and my husband. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, I feel so guilty even like voicing this because I'm I, proud of you for voicing it. This like I'm resonates just, with me. Yeah. Cause I was a yelly mom. Like I would scream in my kid's face and, and it's like, they're, it's so undeserving because they're so innocent. They have no clue. They're working through their own emotions and, I wasn't setting the stage for them, um, to excel. And I was just giving them more, um, ways where they can just like be exactly like me. And I didn't want mm -hmm. to instill that, those, um, those things on them. So that's where also I needed, I knew I needed help because I was like, it's not normal that, or, well, I mean, I was yelled at growing up and like, yeah, I got <laughs> and so it was just, uh, so I just show myself grace and compassion with 
um, really listening to what my heart wants and what my heart needs at this time and just doing like a check-in. I've really learned how to do that. Just taking like five minutes for myself and saying like, Taylor, heart, what do you need? Like, how can I honor you today? And sometimes it's just like making myself a cup of tea, like having a warm meal Mm. or um, going to bed early or like what something that I could give myself in that moment that was tangible and it really helped me. And um, also just having patience with myself has given me a lot of patience with my kids because in motherhood, I feel like I've, I've always been like told that it needs to be my way. And like my kids need to do the things I want to do and on my terms. And I, once I released like my agenda on them and it started with me thinking of like when my oldest didn't walk until 18 months, I'm like, well, he should be walking, but that's my agenda. Yeah. And he should, when he just started potty training, he'll be three in October. Like, oh, he, we tried like just a little bit after he was two. Oh, he should be potty training. This is my fault. And, but that's my agenda. And So I released that on him and my youngest and they've been like thriving and I've been thriving as a mother. And I feel like we can do hard things and we can give ourselves the space to, you know, it's not, there's no shame in locking yourself in the bathroom for two minutes and screaming your fucking eyes out or having like a mother tantrum and just like, I was just thinking that sacred temper tantrum. Yes. The temper tantrum and having your own little temper tantrum. Cause we, um, yeah, my coach also taught like, we're like this hollow tube where we, if we don't like continuously move, like our emotions uh-huh. out, we get blockages and that's where like the explosions happen. And that's what was happening for me. And so I just re- removed the pressure. And also I removed the pressure on like achieving, um, pleasure in the bedroom or pleasure with myself Mm. and that also gives me just the freedom to just like discover more and experience more and I actually end up experiencing more pleasure and experiencing orgasm when and like before I would be like okay I need to orgasm or else this was a waste of time yeah (laughs) uh I love that um another great way to relieve that pressure for me is an (laughs) orgasm Like when I've, I have been a yelling mom too. I literally just told my eight-year-old the other day, I looked at him, like I got on his level and I looked him in the eyes and I was like, my like way that I talk to you or direct you to do things is not because like you deserve that. And I explained to him like what my frustration feels like. And it was really hard for me to word it because I wanted to be like, it's because you don't listen. So you make me yell. No, he doesn't make me do anything. When I am grounded and aligned, I'm not a yelling mom. Mm-hmm. But when I am not taking that those five minutes here and there for me or not staying in alignment or not doing like the routines or the flows that keep me in check, then I'm a bitch to like be with around anyone. Right. Um, so frustration when I start getting frustrated impatient with little things or I start dropping things um I know like all right Jerrion you're out of alignment it's time to check in do that heart check in um and like now it's becoming natural for me where I'll start and I'll be like "Mm, what's really going on like does he really need screamed at because his shoes aren't on right now like what I feel (laughs) that so much 
And <laughs> lately I've been doing, um, and actually Zachary's been like repeating this. And I think it's so cute where like we have quiet time, but like, if I'm feeling like I need a little break, I'll just be like, Hey, um, Zachary, why don't you go rest your body? I'll put on a show. And he'll be like, okay. And he gets so excited. He like grabs a pillow and like uh. the blanket. And he's like, I rest my body now. And he'll like lay on the couch and like, just be so quiet and stuff. And like, I'll just like, yeah, literally make myself a cup of tea or just like take five minutes in the bathroom and yeah. or like go wash my face. Cause then I feel better. And so it's just so nice, like having them on board and understanding, like it isn't you, it's just the way that I'm dealing with things and learning how to like apologize. And like, just because yeah, I'm, yeah, just because I'm a parent doesn't mean I'm always right. Yeah. And like, they can be right too. So it's just, it's just like a lot of humbling experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. that resonates with me deeply. Yeah. All right. Shifting into what you kind of answered is like how you incorporate play and pleasure into your life as a busy mom, but you kind of talked about like doing those heart check-ins, but what are your favorite ways throughout the day to really connect to that? Yeah. So I did, um, a really fun reel on my Instagram that's what brought uh, this question out. <laughs> yeah, <that's really> <laughs> and, um, I just thought it was so fun. Cause it's just like, I think it can be misconstrued that like pleasure and play always means like intimacy and sex, mm-hmm. which it doesn't have to. And I, my favorite things lately have been like dancing. And I, um, introduced my kids to that too. And like, we just have little dance parties and like, we have dance parties before bed and they, they really enjoy like listening to the same music that we do. And just, it's just so fun. And I, I see them play and like dance together and listen to the musics and like music and move their body in the way that they feel is good to them. And it just gives me so much like happiness and pleasure, just like seeing them and like seeing a little baby, just like bop its little butt. Yes, as so it's, cute. Like, <laughs> like the cutest oh, thing ever. It really is. And it's just like, I don't know. It just makes me feel good. And then, um, a lot of oils, like body oils, um, after the shower and the bath. And I just, I just like, look at my each like part of my body. And I just say like, thank you arms for like allowing me to hold my kids and like, just like rubbing my shoulders and just, yeah. And like thanking every bit of me. And that's really helped with like my body image issues and like feeling whole. I love that. Yeah. I am we'll do that two or three times a week. Cause normally like you're rushing down the shower, you're putting your lotion <laughs> on. And then I have like scheduled time to like, just connect yes. to my body and affirm, like, thank you throat for thank expressing, you. you know, and allowing me to speak my truth and stuff like that. So it's nice hearing other people. It makes a huge difference. It really does. And you just said the word scheduling. And I think that is so important, especially because we're so busy and mm-hmm. it can be easy to not find the time. And like, I think that's made as like an excuse where it's like, oh, I don't, I don't have the time. Well, yeah. we're not prioritizing it. And just as we like prioritize making those like haircut appointments or like the dentist appointments, bring our kids to school. It needs to be on the calendar or in the schedule, need alerts on your phone to make it happen. If you know yeah. when your kids are going to be at school or napping, and it's just like easy to get it. To yeah. So this is a question that I didn't hit you with before do you and your husband ever schedule sex oh yes we do okay and I had a lot of I had a lot of shame around that because like my best friend she'll probably listen to this <laughs> um well actually like we had a mutual uh friend in school where like 
I think the story was that they had like their relationship, I think was going like downhill, but um, they had scheduled sex and it was more like him scheduling the sex. It wasn't mutual mm-hmm. mutual, and that's where I think it was like really toxic. And so um, I think it works as like, if you're, if you both agree upon it, obviously, yeah. um, if it's both in the calendars, it both works for you. But yeah, we definitely do that because, uh, and I, I actually like to do it because it actually works as like foreplay for me. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, just, I write um, about this in uh, the mother's pleasure playbook too, where it's, it's just like thinking about it. And then we send like naughty texts to each other uh-huh. <laughs> and like, when we see each other at lunch while we're like getting the kids fed and down for their naps, he'll like grab my butt or like give me a wink yeah, and it's stuff. Yeah, like a of foreplay. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it's so, it's so nice. And like, and then at the end of the day, we just like leave the mess and like, we'll clean up after together and stuff. And just, yeah, it's, it's, I find it really like, it just re- removes like, oh, like you want to do this again? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Like <laughs> when you think about like, from the beginning of your day, if it's going like, well, I think about this, if, if my day is going like awful, the kids are just being like, they need so much where I'm like, I can't fathom like getting naked at the end of the day. Yeah. And like, I just want to relax with a movie. <laughs> and so if I know ahead of time, like it's, and sometimes like being spontaneous is really nice, but it's hard when you're a mom and like have so much stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. So there is nothing wrong with scheduling sex. No. It is super fun. Um, I am not going to disclose too much information because I want people to be pulled to that playbook because I did look at it and it's freaking amazing. And it is like has so much information and just like little pockets of pleasure and fun. And I love it. You did a beautiful job with that. Mm -hmm. Um, So how has your sex life shifted since becoming a sex coach yourself? I'll share my experience too. Yeah. Um, it's shifted a lot actually. Like, and the main thing I have to say is communication. Mm -hmm. And I I just had no idea to be like, I like this. Can you please do this? If that's okay with you? Like it was always just the assumption of just like, okay, wham, bam, we're done. Like I got shit to do. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but it was, it's just so nice, like learning to communicate these things. And even like it's um it's increased like our dirty talk and like made it so much better and like we've just connected so much more and connected with myself too like like I think I remember one time where I was like um shortly after we had started and the course and I told my husband okay I'm going upstairs for like an hour I'm gonna have a bath and do a few things and he's like oh are you using your new toy and I was like yeah and he's like okay, well, I won't bother you. Like I'll take the monitor so I can like look after the kids and stuff. And he oh was like, Oh my just, God, you so- should have put the freaking <laughs> monitor in. So he could have watched you on. The- oh, <laughs> so he was, well, the monitors are in my kids' rooms. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that would have been a good one. That would have been but, so good. Yeah. So that he was just like really understanding with that and just like saying like, Hey, it's not removing the shame around like I can please yeah. myself and it has nothing to do with like him not being able to please me it's just like no I want this time to connect with my body and like I just love adding that on to like my self-care and like after having a bath especially it's just so so nice like just winding down and stuff yeah. so yeah 
Absolutely. I, I think my favorite part of our course was the fact that we were also applying it to ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. and I think to be a good guide or coach or mentor, you have to do the work yourself before you guide others to do yes. it. Um, okay. And again, like the communication piece. And I feel like all of us were so horny in the beginning. Like, <laughs> we started learning, like, so many <laughs> And I feel like a lot of us knew this stuff already. It was just being with another group of women just shed <laughs> took all the shame away and I was like all right I'm a horny being and like yes to sex and all the sex um but yeah like my husband and I have it's definitely expanded things for us and especially with all those little quizzes so when you were talking to you had talked about you know lighting candles your energy your sexual blueprint is kinky or is it energetic it's kinky energetic and I think um like shapeshifter. I don't remember the the third, but I think it's kinky and energetic first. Okay. I love that. Those of you guys that do not know what the sexual blueprint is, you can reach out to Taylor or I, and we will guide you to the quiz. It's a really fun thing to, you know, find Mm. out more about yourself and what you like and what you desire. Um, so I really, I want to touch a little bit, um, about nutrition and sexual energy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how they're connected and what are some signs to look out for your, in your own body, um, to like cue you that you need to, or to dive in more into like nutrition. Yeah. So, um, I've been obsessed with like the term sexual vitality. I don't even know where, like Mm -hmm. I saw it. I think I just like, was like, Hey, we're sexual. (laughs) We want to be like, feel, whole and like healthy. Um, so just sexual vitality just really, um, resonates with me on that. And I just think of our bodies as like a, a building, like you want to like the, the structure of the building. Um, we have, we need a solid like foundation before we can continue to build up and, um, sexual energy and nutrition. I feel like go hand in hand. Like if we're Well, for me anyways, if I, if I'm eating like shit, I'm not going to like want to get naked with somebody. Mm -hmm. If I'm eating, like if I'm having too much sugar or like, I'm totally buzzed off of caffeine. I know I'm going to crash later and feel like awful. (laughs) I have my coffee here. I'm like chugging coffee as we're talking about shit. (laughs) It was actually my first day of like trying to not have coffee because I made like beautiful bone broth and I was like, Hey, I don't want any coffee. And I was like, I need just like a little bit. (laughs) No shame. Uh, No shame. (laughs) But yeah, so it's just, and being in tune with like how our body is feeling, not just emotionally, but like the symptoms. Like, so lately I've been feeling like very fatigued and just like my scalp has been itchy. Like I've been breaking out more than normal. I've been like having this major brain fog, like not able to keep like ideas down and stuff. And I know like I need help too. So like doing a little bit of an assessment on myself and finding like the correlations of like where like energetically we're blocked and that's also presenting like some sort of symptom um that we're not which we're just ignoring we're just being like okay it's just like how my body is um but when we're eating like and it doesn't have to be like oh my god you need to eat this like organic vegan like grass-fed whatever it can just be like little things that balancing our blood sugar is so important especially for uh, people who menstruate hormones that um we it's easy to like 
develop those mood swings and like lose control when we're not eating properly. And that's just like having enough protein, enough fats, like, um, digestible carbohydrates and feeding our body, those things that mm. we that can give us fuel in order to like think and like be ourselves. I love that. Yeah. I need help in that area. Um, so I'm going to share something that's really shameful about me and something that I struggle with, which I will be having you help me with is yes, can't wait. I tend to starve myself throughout the day unconsciously or subconsciously, um, because I'm so busy, I'm going, so I won't eat and then I'll eat dinner. Um, and then I get up four or five times throughout the night and night eat anything mm. that I can find. Mm. Um, so I'm not sleeping and then I eat everything at night. Mm. And it's something I've struggled with for since I think my oldest was born. And I know like there's so many layers to this, mm. but it's like getting to the root and like mm. figuring out why I do it. Um, but yeah, like last night I ate so much and I was up all night and I'm like, oh my God, then you feel like crap when you wake up and you don't have the energy that you want. And like, you kind of know me a little bit, but I'm like a go, 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 do, 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 do person. And then I rely on the coffee to help yeah. me survive my day. Yeah. And then the coffee makes me irritable and like, <sighs> oh, it's so easy to get in that loop. It's just like it's a, such a, loop. a cycle. Yeah. And I definitely have, I mean, I still use coffee as like, okay, I need it to like wake me up and more yeah. so I, I like the like, um, ritual of it and like the routine of it. Yeah. And it just like tastes so good. Yeah. <laughs> just makes me feel good. Absolutely. Yeah. So where can we find you and what offerings do you have or what offerings do you have coming up? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram right now. My website is coming taylorkinmonth.com. Um, you may not be able to spell my last name properly. Everybody asks. I'll write it on the description. No, um, but on, the inst- on my Instagram, you'll find it on how to spell it. And um, coming up, I'm going, I'm offering one-on-one coaching um, with um, mothers. So other three or six month containers, um, because I believe that you can't find a quick fix yeah. um, within like, it's not, a, it's not an overnight thing. And I, I really want to help um, mothers with lasting change and um, really reach their goals and give them the tools that they can incorporate into their lives and also like bring into their families. Cause I know cooking for family and kit, like picky eaters too, is a hard thing as well. And um, yeah, just like pairing food and how we treat our bodies sexually and nutritionally. Yeah. Mm. I'm excited. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, if you were to leave our guests or listeners with like one piece of information, what would that be? Don't question yourself. First thing that comes to you. <laughs> My first thing would be keep going, keep um, treating yourself um, the way you feel is best but just keep going, um, keep taking those little steps because they all add up and bring you somewhere, even though it may take a little bit of time and it, I just think, keep going. That's what I would tell myself if I was, um, in this, the same spot I was like a year ago. Yeah. Keep going. Don't give yeah, up. Keep going and don't give up. Oh, thank you, Taylor. <laughs> thank you, Darian. It was so good being on here. Yes. <laughs> Oh, what a beautiful episode. 
I loved having Taylor on the show. Um, If things that were talked about or felt during this episode deeply resonated with you, I invite you to reach out to Taylor, maybe book a consultation with her or start following her on Instagram and open that dialogue. Um, You know, the beauty to this podcast and the listeners and the people that I'm having on is community and connection. You might be really pulled to someone and if you feel that pull, I always invite you to listen to it. Um, So yeah, this podcast is just starting out so it means the world to me if you take some time to just leave it a review or share about it on your Instagram stories and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day or evening Whatever you choose to do, I hope you make some space for pleasure.